Welcome to the Itty Bitty Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Phillips, and because I've killed so many brain cells, I feel like I'm getting dumber as I'm getting older. So the podcast is a great way to learn more about the things that I love. So each week we take a look at topics from the world of pop culture, including music, shout out to hip hop, movies, sports, comic books, video games, psychedelics, cannabis, and more. And the format might not always remain the same from week to week. I'm all over the place. What can I say? And I love the idea of a podcast that changes and grows with our listeners. So before we get too far, if you're listening so far, head over to ittybittypodcast.com to subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice. And make sure to say hi to us on social media. It's pretty much at ittybittypodcast for everything um, but without further ado, man, the Itty Bitty Podcast is anything but Itty Bitty. So let's get it going. All right, so we're back for episode 42, and we actually have a guest this week. So I apologize for the last couple of weeks. I've had some stuff going on in my personal life, so I didn't really have the time and energy to put into the podcast. So I just kind of phoned it in, and I apologize for that. But we're back this week with another great guest, and we're talking music with Joshua Henry. Um, so Josh is the host of the Just Josh podcast. He's also an artist manager at EUM Music Group. And we talked about his experiences touring in the music industry. Uh, we talked about the effects of COVID on the touring industry. And we also got into politics and UFOs and stuff. So it was an awesome conversation to be back with a, a guest. Um, and I think it was a, a great, great way to get back into it after a couple of weeks of um, no guests. So this was an awesome, awesome conversation. I really enjoyed doing it. And I think you guys should check out Josh's podcast as well. Um, so let's get into it. This is not a podcast about working in the music industry. It's the itty bitty podcast. It's anything but, and it starts now. Welcome to the itty bitty podcast. Oh, oh, it's the itty bitty podcast. So we're back with a guest this week on the Itty Bitty Podcast. Josh is here today, uh, Josh Henry. So we're going to do a, like a little bit of a music-based podcast this week. We're going to talk um, a little bit about kind of what's going on with, um, with COVID and, and how it's affecting the music industry. Um, but before we get going, uh, Josh, how about you tell everybody about your background in music just to kind of get us started? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I've always been a fan, obviously. I I think uh, when people ask me how I got started, I usually tell them I'm, I'm a musician first. I think most people that start off in there, you know, have love for music or played music. And um, just growing up and stuff like that, I uh, turned it into uh, going to college and getting my business degree and business analytics uh, MBA. And uh, I kind of transitioned that uh, back into working in music. And it's been great. I think a lot of people might get music degrees. I also don't think you even have to have a degree to work in music, but I think if you want to go on the management side, uh, finance or business or anything in, along those lines, definitely help out, uh, especially these days because it's not, you know, it's not like in the 90s or 2000s where, uh, you know, big labels are giving out record deals to unknowns. It's, it's you know, they're 
they're bringing unknown talent, but they already have millions of viewers on YouTube or, or whatever like that. So, um, and then I just, uh, to pay the bills, I actually tour with, uh, artists. Uh, one of the main ones that got my, uh, start is Ballyhoo. And, uh, those guys are just, uh, can't say enough nice things about them because without them, I wouldn't have made the, the connections and be able to do the things and, and, and really honestly live out my dreams. And, you know, when you're younger, you always dream of touring and, and playing shows. And then, um, even though I'm not on the music side of it, still getting to do the same thing on the crew side, um, has been pretty cool. Uh, I gotten to play a lot of cool festivals and meet a lot of cool artists. And, um, yeah, so that pays my bills. And then I started my own management company, EUM music. Um, it's a lot more difficult than I thought, you know. Um, I think I was never naive to the business. I always knew the music industry was hard, but uh, I think it was the naivety of the bands that I didn't quite understand, uh, you know, when I first started, how difficult it was as far as you could give the bands all the best advice and, and really be genuine and caring, but it's still up to them to put in the work, you know. So I, I always kind of thought, well, if you're if you stay true to the band and you're always, you know, have their back, then they're going to do what you say, or, you know, it's going to work out. And, uh, and it, there's a lot more to it than that as well. And, and obviously uh, with a lot of these musicians being creatives and stuff like that, um, maybe they don't always have the business sense down or, or they don't see the big picture or, or other things that could help them. Um, so in that sense, it's been very interesting, but uh, yeah, that's kind of my background as far as where I'm at now. And, and, uh, you know, what I have going on. So very lucky to be able to tour and get to do some cool things to pay the bills. And then also, uh, on the other hand, it's, it's a lot of work to be a manager. It's a 24 hour job. And, uh, again, I, I think the successful ones are the ones that really have the artists, um, you know, best interests in mind. And, and I know everyone does, but, you know, I've met some managers that aren't even bad managers. You know, I think there's this kind of stigma that managers are, can be sketchy or they'll steal your money or, you know, different things like that. And I think, you know, most of them for the, for the most part, I think everyone does. It's just, they don't know what they're doing. You know, they started off right. as a promote. Yeah. They started off as like a promoter, um, helping bands get, uh, gigs. Cause the, you know, they know the person at the local club and they're like, Oh, I'll manage you, you know? Yeah. And then it's not even that they're trying to hurt the band or trying to, you know, screw them over. I think it's just that they don't have the background. So now what are you doing when you're on, on the road with these artists? Yeah. So it's funny because I think my goal when I started touring was to be a tour manager because okay. I think it has the most, um, it's the most similar to what I do as far as management. Um, minus I actually, you know, I'm trying to build a team around them. I'm trying to put them with the best people, get a booking agent, um, working with the contracts and stuff. So as a tour manager, you're still kind of working with the contracts, making sure that they're getting paid, making sure they're getting there on time. So it's almost like an everyday manager as opposed to a career manager. Um, so that was my goal, you know, and uh, to get into that, I took the first job I could get, which was merchandise. It's pretty easy to get into. And on the other side, I don't think people realize how important merchandise uh, is, especially now where that's 80% of their income. I was going to say, it's is, a big uh, chunk, right? With huge that, yeah. chunk. And I think people think touring is, and it is because you're getting paid for a show. But I think the misconception is that bands get money off the tickets, which is not true. So I think everyone's like, oh, well, can I get a discount? I, uh, I bought a ticket, you know, give me a discount on merch. Well, 
85% of that ticket went to the venue. You know, the 15% that might get to the band, depending on the contract, usually it's a flat rate. So it doesn't really matter how many people come to the door. They're still getting that flat rate. So it's not like they're going to get extra because you bought the ticket. Um, and then, or, it, it, you know, it goes to other things. You got to think they're paying us, the crew. You know, how expensive that is to actually pay someone a living wage or pay someone well enough that they'll do their job well. Right. You know, you could pay someone $10 an hour, but they're not going to do a good job, you know, when they have to travel eight hours, you know, a day and and be done at three in the morning and then get up the next day and do it all over again. Right. So, and then their management, booking agent, all these other things that um, factor into what gets taken out before the money actually gets back to the band. And there's really not a lot left. So having good management to make sure that you're, you're getting everything you can out of that. And then again, you know, on tour, it's, uh, I don't think it's as glamorous as some people think. So now with the internet, is it, I know that it, it, it makes it harder because there's so much content, like constantly that mm-hmm. it's harder to kind of get your name out there as an artist. It is, but it also might be easier to put content out there if you know what you're doing and if you're kind of good at it and you can maneuver social media. Like I know a lot, a lot of different artists that have gotten big just based off one viral video or something like that. Um, so what is the, where does the, the management company come in as far as like the, did you guide them as far as advertising goes or how does that all work? So, yeah, I mean, we're a full service. So I like to think that we can help in every aspect of what the artist is trying to do, whether it's marketing or the music side. It it really is just to be a sixth member of the band to a degree, to have their backs, to be a mentor, to make sure that we're not working with people that are trying to take advantage of the band. So in, in that sense, I think a manager should be someone that you trust and that has your back, you know, um, Yes, they need to know finance and stuff like that, but I think it's the most important thing is that they believe in what you're doing and, and they want to be a part of it. Um, so, but to answer your question, as far as sticking out um, with all the thing, on one hand, you would think that since it's so watered down and everyone has access to a computer, a microphone, whatever, podcasting, as you know, is blowing up and with COVID, everyone and their mom has a podcast. So it's like, how can I stand out within the podcast world? Well, since there is so much watered down, I think if you, like you said, if you do a good job and you make it a quality product, then it actually is easier to stand out. I don't think it's any different than before. Um, if anything, I think it's easier because you have more access. Right. And on the flip side, yeah, it's harder because there's, there's more people out there. So again, it's just how can you separate? How can you be different? Um, I mean, even with me, I held off doing a podcast for a very long time. So I was probably thinking about doing a podcast five or six years ago. Um, And a lot of my friends in the industry, in the music industry, already had a podcast. So I know other managers that had a podcast and were giving out management advice. I know bands that had lead singers or other people that have podcasts and they're giving out band advice and stuff like that. And I really just didn't want to be the same thing. And and I knew it wouldn't be worth it because... I wouldn't stand out as opposed to anyone else. 
But then I finally got to the point where I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm behind the scenes a lot. And I don't think people actually get to see the hard work and, and the things that I do and get to meet me as a person because while I'm on tour and I'm networking and meeting all these people, and that's a big reason I tour is to actually use it to network with venues and other bands and other managers. And then I take those networking uh, opportunities and I bring it to my bands so uh, that I'm working with in the uh, management. So, um but I don't think it's hard to stand out. I think it is at the same time. Again, it's just want to. Uh, this industry, especially, it's like the service industry. Um, you don't need a degree to be in it. So that's why there's a lot of people that maybe aren't qualified that are managers or there are people that aren't you know, necessarily cut out or don't have that vision to make it because it is such a hard industry. And it's one of those industries and it's entertainment. So people see the, the bright lights and the flashing lights and then, and that's what they're focused on. And they're focused on the next paycheck and, and how can they do this and, and their, you know, social media and, uh, stuff that doesn't matter in the real world, you know, social, I, I'm more worried about your Spotify numbers and the music that you're creating and then you as people and the direction and the things that you want to, you want to do with your music as opposed to, Oh, you have 60,000 followers on, on Instagram. Congratulations. But right. you know, how many of those people are going to make it out to your show? You know, how many of those people are going to do it? Whereas if you're building up your Spotify, you're going to get your, your music out to more people just through the algorithms and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't really answer your question in the sense of like, is it harder and where does the management come in? So I would say as far as the management comes in, um, yeah, I mean, again, we come in and we can tell you the key to social media or the key to marketing is consistency and quality. So it's not necessarily, are you putting things out every hour? Is it, is it consistently quality and is it serving a purpose? So if you're a band that's actually starting to gain ground, but you're still posting about like, Hey, we're playing Harry's bar this weekend, you know, but yet you have almost a semi-national following. It might seem kind of amateur. So it's like, how can we do the quick look test, which is, if I just open up your Instagram and I'm looking at your Instagram and I'm seeing fuzzy or grainy videos or I'm seeing unprofessional photos or things that don't just match just by glancing at it and don't draw me into it just by glancing, can we archive that and save it so it's not showing up, but you can still hold on to it if you need it in the future or something like that. Um, so I always try and go through the eye test. So yeah, I mean, management is a big part of that, is a big part of helping bands take what they already have, which is the creative part. And then how can we get that out? It's all about distribution and getting in front of people. Um, and which is very hard because, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram and stuff, I think you notice this just on a person on your personal page, you might put something out six years ago and you'll get 400, 500 likes every time. Now it's, you might get 30 to 60 likes just because, and they're saying, oh, we're filtering this out. So you don't, you only see the content you want to see and, and you're only getting what you want. But really it's how they're thinking is it's about money. So it's like, how can we monetize Facebook where people think we're doing them a favor, but we're actually gaining money on it. So now, since you're only reaching a certain amount of people, if you really want to get your stuff out there, if you have your own podcast or you're doing something else, you actually have to put a you know a couple hundred dollars into the, the marketing. And even that's not a guarantee. Because right. then you're also kind of competing within people in your bracket. So obviously the big companies that have millions of dollars spent on advertising, they're only keep competing with each other at the top, you know? And so they're going to get the advertising time and, and get the most views. But then you get down to the thing where people like me, 
you and me that really, if we wanted to, can only afford to spend 10 to 20, $30 a week, even though that's really nothing. Um, you know, let's pretend the average Joe doesn't have that much to put hundreds of dollars in each week. So then that's more people that you're competing with for the same amount of money that you spent for that advertising space. So um, it's just one of those things where I don't rely so much uh, on social media to get the stuff out more than are you doing quality content and, and what are we doing as far as behind the scenes to help you guys grow. I think a big thing with, um, especially because I've had the opportunity to work with some bigger artists, but I've never taken them because my passion and, and the thing I really love is working with new and independent artists because that's when it's the hardest. I know it's, it's easy to go in with a band that's established and to just take over the reins and kind of help them and, and kind of get their system down and, and just, okay, well, we know we have the audience. So now how can we keep the audience as opposed to, oh, we don't have an audience. Now we have to build one. So for me, EUM's always been about helping the little guy and helping those. And, and then on the flip side, as much as there's a passion for it, it is harder, you know, as a manager, because there's more risk. I know that bands kind of look when they're looking for managers, if they think they're at that point, there's kind of that stigma that managers are sketchy or they're going to steal money from you. But uh, reality is it's just as much, if not a lot more of a risk for me to sign a band than it is for that band. Because let's say it doesn't work out. Or even if let's say I stole money or something happens where we go our separate ways, they can still continue as a band to a degree. I mean, unless it's a horrible manager that just wiped you clean, I get that. But I'm just saying, if if nothing went wrong and no one was shady and it just, you just went your own ways, the band can keep going. They can keep building music. They're not really going to get set back. Whereas a manager, it's like, you know, the percentage of bands that actually make it are so much lower than it is to find a manager. So, you know, uh, just for me personally, anytime I take on a band, um, that's why I make them sign a contract. It's not because I'm trying to, I want to see that they mean it and they care, not necessarily that I'm trying to pigeonhole them and, and steal their money and not let them out of the contract. Um, so f go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to ask if you have a, a certain genre that you, uh, specialize in. So I can actually, it's funny, our, our name, it used to be ease up management and that's kind of what my start. The problem is because some of the bands I worked with were in that reggae, ska, punk genre, I think I kind of got pigeonheld as someone that works with reggae artists or someone that works with ska and punk artists. Mm. And honestly, EUM, I started again. For me, it's not... Obviously, you have to have a good product. That's number one. But more so than the product, I look at uh, not just talent, but potential. So when I see a band and I look at a band, I'm like, oh, they're good. And someone else may might be looking at the same band and be like, oh, man, these guys are shit right now. Like I wouldn't sign them, but I'm not looking at what they are right now. I'm looking at, well, what can they be two albums from now working with me? Right. You know, if we work together, what can I help them achieve and where can they be? And is that a, is that a starting point from where we can actually do something, you know, two years from now or two albums from now, once we get to that point, are they, do I see them being good enough that we can go off and actually make something of this and make a living? Um, I'm sorry. I kind of forgot the question because I kind of rambled there for a second, but or what we were just talking about, but, uh, no, it's cool. I was going to say, I was going to say anyway, I like, I, one of my favorite things to do is on Friday when new music comes out is I fucking love to go through, I have a bunch of different music apps on my phone. I go through all of them and I like to listen to all the different, um, 
types of music that came out. So my question was, uh, if you specialize in one type of genre. Oh, okay. That's um, what it was. Yeah. Sorry. So no, I, I don't, I don't okay. specialize in one specific thing. Uh, the biggest thing, yeah. Of all that was I look for good people because again, it comes down to the hard work. So even if there's, I've worked with bands, um, I, I don't really want to mention names cause I don't want to throw anyone on the bus or anyone thinking that I'm talking bad about them because I'm not. But just as an example, I've had bands where we've had a couple different labels looking at them. That's how good they were. And even though they weren't a huge, which is even harder because these days, again, you have to already have a following for most labels to even look at you. So the one band I had, man, they they probably would have been the next Paramore. That's how good they were. They were mm. like a grittier, heavier Paramore, but they still had the commercial sensibility and still had that. It was almost like a mix of In This Moment and like Paramore, but not so butt rock you know, definitely commercial and up outgoing, but like grittier, you know, kind of stuff. And they easily would have made it. But the problem is they never got to the point where I set them up for a festival where the labels were going to come look at them and they basically canceled. And it was because their excuse was they couldn't fit the drum sets in the car because at that point I had signed them as a duo and kind of their rotation was fluid um, but at the time to play live shows, they had the lead singer's boyfriend playing drums. The mm. problem is that the, that would cause friction within the band because, you know, he would have to take her side because they're boyfriend, girlfriend. Right. And so it seems like there's a lot of ganging up and different things going on, honestly. And then she also had kind of an ego <laughs> for, yeah. for someone that didn't have any... Um, you know, recognition in the industry. I remember uh, we were trying to get some stuff going and get their YouTube up. And uh, I think one of her comments was, well, this didn't work for my last band. So uh, I don't want to do it. I'm like, well, this isn't your last band. You know, right. who, I mean, who's, has anyone heard your last band? Like, does anyone know who your last band is? So whether or not this worked for your last band doesn't mean it won't work now. And it doesn't mean that it's not a good idea. It just means that maybe you didn't execute it. Maybe you didn't have the same resources or music that you did now, which is, I, I'm assuming why she's in a different band now. But the point is uh, that you have both bands that are have all the talent in the world, and then you have ones that you might not look at and think have the talent, but they actually do because they work so hard and they have the willingness to do the things that are necessary to be successful. And I think that's the key really when it comes down to the artist. But I, I don't work in any genre. They were, um, like I said, most of the bands I've worked with are actually in the rock or punk scene. And then more recently, I've kind of been working with some reggae artists and stuff like that to kind of expand. But, you know, if you do rap, if you do pop music, if you do folk music, it's another uh, genre that I think is uh, definitely underrated. Uh, I've always loved folk music. and It might not look like it, but I've always loved folk music because it always tells a story. Just good songwriting. Back when there wasn't as much technology and it really just came down to the creative aspects of, of writing music. Yeah, James Taylor is one of my favorite like folk-type artists. And I, it, my wife watches one of those um, so you think you can sing shows? I forget what the fuck they're called. Yeah, or like um, the voice type thing. Yeah. I'm like, I hate that he's on it because he's like such a good artist. But <laughs> like, it's yeah, it's just all that stuff is just so commercialized to me. I just I like watching it to make fun of it. But it's yeah, it's uh, I know it's super popular and it's not for me. But um, right. anyway, let's talk rock for a little bit. Uh, yeah, let's just do it because I I don't. I use lately I listen to mostly hip hop um, and it's not because I don't like rock. It's just be, it's because that a lot of what I've listened to lately that's come out 
hasn't really been, a lot of it's been a lot of the same shit. Like occasionally I'll hear something and I'm like, oh, this is fucking awesome. And I'll book it and then make sure that I put it in my, my music list. But I don't see a lot of that stuff coming out um, on a regular basis anymore. Is there like, am I looking in the wrong places or? Uh, what kind of artists are you uh, listening to as far as rap? Because I'll be 100% honest with you. And uh, I'm sure it's purely my age. I don't really listen to new music and I know that sounds weird and I know it sounds horrible as a manager because you're thinking, well, you should always be on top of what's popular and what's not. So I am, I, I am in tune, but that's why I have younger people working for me too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, nineties, like nineties rock, uh, rap and the classics like sixties, seventies, uh 90s and then even the 2000s like the see first i love all that shit too like, like i love all that stuff that's uh, when i think the best music is and that's what i actually still listen to so i it's funny because when i asked you like what kind of artists are you listening to rap is that to me uh to your question yeah everything sounds the same to me once they started going into the edm after like the metalcore and the punk and the uh pop kind of wore off and everything was pretty much edm was the de facto genre at the time. Now I think that's kind of leveling off and we're kind of getting back into a mix of instruments and, and, and electronic where a lot of bands are kind of fusing a lot of the different things and rock really isn't rock anymore. Like to me, rock was Nirvana, Foo Fighters, you know, Chili Peppers, stuff like that, Metallica, Korn, um, even. And now rock is like Mumford and Sons, you know, it's right. like stuff where it's not. I've heard some good rock. It's just, it's, it's not on a regular basis. Like when I was younger, it was just, there was always good, good shit coming out. And, um, well, you had just made a point that I wanted to say something about shit. It'll come to me in a second, but, um, yeah, as far as like new artists. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. So I listen, the problem with listening to so much, like for me is I love listening to the old shit. It, it's comforting. I like to go back to it. I like to switch it up. I can't always listen to the same stuff, you know, more than once. But I also right. on Fridays, like when the new music comes out, I like to go and listen to it. Like Thursday night, I listen to it. And then I'll listen to it throughout the weekend. And I'll like decide what I want to put on my playlist because I'll do a weekly playlist. But there's there's a lot of, you know, music music has to evolve i remember being a kid and you had talked about you know starting as a musician i was a musician when i was younger and i remember coming to the realization like i always wanted to be a rock star i was like i want to be a rock star i want to like sell out shows do this do that and then i remember coming to the realization that uh like you have to somehow change up the music because music is going to people are going to want new music and they're going to want mm -hmm. like a new sound and the sounds that that are, are current i remember having that that foresight when i was younger to be like i don't have that in me to be like you know a music revolutionary and ch you know change up the landscape of music so mm -hmm. it is kind of difficult because everything that's been done has been done but i do see you know i do search pretty regularly and there is some good shit out there that's that's newer um you know there's some stuff that i'll listen to that's just you know cool for the sound of the beat or whatever but there's a lot of stuff with some substance that's really good out there too yeah i mean as far as rap goes i'm, I'm really 90s rap and, and yeah. the old rap um like original jay-z and stuff like that and then like nas common tech nine i love um, I, nas Mortal is like Technique. my favorite I, think I like I favorite. like rappers that tell stories. The mumble. Yeah. I never got into the mumble rap. Uh, even Wheezy used to be dope, and then he 
he was like the king of mumble rap. Like he pretty much started, I feel like all that bullshit. That, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was kind of like the, he, his mixtapes were fire. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I blame all the drugs and stuff he's much. been on. He's not, he's not quite all there, but uh, yeah, rap used to be hard. I used to love the beats and then the storytelling. Actually a newer artist um, that I'm a big fan is uh, Darnell Williams. I don't know if you've heard him, um, but check out uh, the, I don't know if you can share stuff where uh, some people don't do it because of copyright and I'm probably going to, I haven't up uploaded any of my season two yet, uh, which is all video where we can share screens and stuff. So uh, I actually probably have some clips in there that will get taken down at some point. Um, and I didn't even think about that. But um, Darnell Williams is a great... Uh, check out the song Ham. Uh, yeah. I just recently saw it in a movie. And um, it's a, it, was a, it was a good movie. And uh, like music like that. And when you hear it, you'll, 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 you'll see what I'm, I'm talking about. It's, uh, it's got the beat, but it's actually got the old school rap behind it too. So, um, and the lyrics are really good too. I, th I think I'm a lyric guy. I think yeah. if you're a musician or something, you're, you're, you've been a lyric guy, but yeah, I, uh, I don't do any specific genres and I would love to uh, work with any artist as long as you are serious. And, and this is something I get a lot of people that want to do that. I get a lot of emails and a lot of the emails are like, you know, check out my band or whatever. And, um, and even if I don't think they're going to be good, I actually check out every single artist that sends me their stuff. That's one thing I will do. Um, whether or not I work with them or not is a whole different story, but um, I will always check it out. I will at least give it a good run through. And, and if it's something that uh, I, I feel is worth it, I will definitely check it out. But I at least give people, if they're going to take the time, whether or not it's, uh, you know, I get a lot of misspelled emails. And, 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 and the point of this is to say that everyone always says they... I love music. This is what I want to do for my life. Well, a lot of us love things and want to do that for our lives, but that doesn't mean we have what it takes to do it or, uh, again, the commitment and the want to. So, um, you know, it, it all comes down to, are you willing to put in the work and time? And uh, I forget what my original point of that was again, but they, uh, it was to the emails that people tell me they want it all the time. And, and even though you do, it doesn't necessarily always mean that you, you do. Right. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to explain because, uh, well, you were talking about how, you know, as an artist, you just want that, want the artist to, to want to, you know, be there or basically, you know, <sighs> that, that they want it, they need to want to put in the work. And I just think if you're not at a certain level, all the things you ever thought about the music industry just needs to go to the side, all your ego, all, all the other stuff, you know, you thinking the bright lights, I know for bands, they're thinking is short term. And I think that's where a manager comes in because a manager should be thinking long term and uh, helping them build up their short term goals to reach the long term goals. And bands think short term because it's money. So it's like, well, when's our next show or what are we going to do? And then trying to think of because the creative aspects is here and now, not, you know, oh, we need to use each creative campaign that we do to build up to our ultimate brand goal to connect with the fans more, which is ultimately going to bring our sales. And then how can we build off of that and keep going, you know, but bands aren't thinking that, you know, they're, they're, they're trying too hard to fit a mold or trying to fit too hard into what they think um, people want. And I actually think in one hand, because there is such 
a blur between genres these days where I don't think one thing is just like back in the day, I think, yeah, there was rap music, there was rock music, there was country music. Now country really is pop music. And now rock has elements of rap or even other things in it. Um, so, and they had that back in the day too, but you know, it was still more, you could tell that it was like a, a rock artist bringing like some 41 would bring in rap artists or have some right. rap in their music and stuff like that. So I just put now the, uh, the like, Limp Bizkit, uh, right, the, the Limp Urban Bizkit Assault, type stuff. the Urban right. Assault rolling mix. <laughs> even Cottonmouth, even Cottonmouth Kings who were really a rap group, but they used a lot of rock elements right. in their music. So it's kind of taking the, the opposite approach. But um, nowadays it's, it's almost, you know, anyone like, you know, a post Malone is, you know, what do you consider him? Because right. he's a musician still. People don't give him credit for how good a guitarist he actually is. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his music because I've actually seen him live and, and seen him and it's too slow of a, a set for me. I didn't, I thought he was, you know, a rapper, rapper, but he, and, and I guess he I does rap, but he's, he's kind of an R&B, more of an R&B rock yeah. kind of a thing than it is, you know, rap, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a good person to, to ask about music in the sense of like what's good because that's opinion, right. you know, that just because I think something good doesn't mean it's good, though, yeah. you know, and who am I to tell someone else what's good or what they should like? And that's what I think is funny about our industry, too, is that I think people they, there's all those little quarrels on on the Internet about, you know, genres or bands even. And I'm like you know, as a manager, yes, I need to be on top of what's current and popular, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that one thing is better than, than another, just because I don't, I don't, I, again, it's all subjective. So, um, I'm, someone asked me, like, I think on the other podcast I went on, it was a similar question where they asked me, uh, do you think music's good? And I'm like, well, my personal answer would be no. As a manager, it would be yes, because obviously if people are listening to it, that means that it's popular and people like it. So, you know, I need to be aware of those things as well. Yeah, I wanted to touch on your point. You were about, you know, how people want need to be willing to put in the work. And one of my favorite rappers, uh, Nipsey Hussle, who was murdered uh, not too far not too long ago i can't remember if it was like last year or the year before but he would say you know it's not a marathon it's not a sprint it's a marathon i'm sorry um did you just say he was murdered yeah he was murdered a okay couple i didn't want to say yeah. anything okay so first of all i'm very sorry to hear that and then second, you don't know who nipsey wow. hustle is have you not, you've never heard of nipsey <sighs> i don't think so and you that should just look into nipsey again. hustle man he i will was, he like he transcended he was one of the the newer rappers that are out were out there that you were like that when he got killed, it felt almost like not like because I was very young when like Tupac and Biggie died, but it almost felt like it was like man, that's just like a, a somebody who could have been I haven't heard of on that then. level. Yeah, he got shot outside. He was like a businessman. He was well, no, he was a, a crip, but he was also good friends with like police officers. Was like, he down they, south, but like mid south, midwest? No, this or whatever, was in L.A. No? He was shot outside okay. of his his store. He owned a store, and somebody came up and shot him. It I'm was sorry. Like somebody, How old are you? Me, I'm 31. Oh, so you're not that far behind me. So I'm surprised I haven't heard of him then, because if it was on that level where you know it shook people enough that yeah just start looking up not comparing it but you're talking about biggie and stuff i figured i would have heard no of look it. up nipsey hustle you'll start you'll start seeing all the stuff about him and i mean the name sounds familiar but that just goes again that shows you how um 
compartmentalize the industry can be too. And it really depends on your, your taste in music of what you listen to. Yeah. Because even though I'm a big rap fan, I still have never heard of him. Yeah. I now, not now that you mention it, I do remember it and I do remember, but I didn't listen to his music. You know, I couldn't name you a song. If, no, if you once you once it, you start you know, listening to him, you'll go through and you'll listen to all. And if I'll you like a storyteller, recognize. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll start hearing some stuff that you recognize. But he was just and he was just so well liked by everybody. He was a nice guy, and he was. And right. It was like something stupid that he was killed for. I think somebody was trying to get a job or was trying to get on the label or something like that, and he said right. no, and the guy came back and shot him. Um, but yeah, he, so, but anyway, he said, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, you know? And, and, and when you think about it like that, you know, with anything with the podcasting, like when I first started podcasting, I thought, you know, it would be something semi easy, but now that I've done, I'm almost a year in, it'll be a year in July and I'm just now starting to make the transition to video and like just all the stuff that I've, I've had to learn. And cause I didn't know any of this stuff. I was in sales last year and, you know, doing a job that I hated, um, mm-hmm. making good money, but it was just, I, I hated doing it. And so, you know, with everything that's been going on now, um, I've kind of found my groove with, with the podcast and, and with my side hustles and shit. And, and it's it's just a grind with with anything, just like you know, music with with podcasting. A lot of people see the finished product and they're like, "Oh, musicians have it easy," you know. They just they just have to show up. But like I used to do stuff in studio work, and just the amount of times that you had to record something, and I hate I stu- recording in the studio was one of my least favorite things to do as a recording artist. It just wasn't fun for me because it was just tedious and and you had to keep doing it over and over and over and over. And it was, yeah, it was bad for me anyway. I, I know some people love it, but for me, I hated it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For me as a musician, studio is always the best part. I know? mean, I had fun doing <laughs> See, it when it wasn't my touring, turn in the booth. That's when it, you know, that's what, that's what you're there for is, right. is that creative outlet. But um, yeah, it's not easy. It's not Probably an easy not thing to do, for anymore. sure. Yeah, and then I think, uh, you know, the the question I get them on is, oh, it must be so cool to be able to tour nationally and, and see all these things. And on one hand, yes, it is. And they're like, well, where's some of the, what's the coolest thing you've gotten to do? And people always want me to come on their podcast and tell them crazy tour stories. I'm working the whole time. Yeah, right. I can't speak for the band because the band has more time on their hands than, than the crew does. But when you're crew, it's a job. Especially these days, it's a professional production. You mean the um, manager's not the central to the party? Well, as the management, <laughs> but I'm talking about as, as far as the crew goes. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so, um, you know, we are, again, we're we're traveling for eight plus hours a day. Right. We're getting to the venue. We're loading in. We're setting up the stage. We're sound checking. You're setting up the merch, uh, getting everything ready. And then if you're lucky, you have an hour, maybe two before the doors open and you have to be back to the venue to make sure that you know everything's going smoothly. And usually if you're the headlining band, you're also taking care of supporting bands and making sure that um they're on time and they're making you know the venue has very little to do with the actual show they're just providing the space which i don't think people get either too i think they think oh the venues you know it's a great venue it's the the show itself is a success by the bands you know um but uh but again like you said it's uh it's that thing of people think it's a big party and, and yeah, don't get me wrong. There's definitely some moments where, uh, good times are had for sure. But for the most part, I would say 85% of the time, 90% of the time you're, you're just working and, 
And it's really nonstop work on tour. And that's why it's funny. It's like, what do you get to see on tour? You know, they think we're stopping at the Grand Canyon and taking pictures and doing all this other stuff and seeing all these amazing, you know, historical sites as we're traveling through cities. And um, a lot of these bands, especially the ones that have been doing it, like I've worked for a band that's been touring for 17 years. So they've already been there, done that. So right. they're not going to be stopping. So it's not, you know, I'm seeing a bunch of mountains and like fields and, and stuff like that from, from the, you know, the van or the bus, not actually getting uh, to do a lot of these things. So yeah, it's funny to me when people think about uh, the road life and, and like you said, they see the final product. That was my whole point of this. They see the show right. and they see the two hours, the three hours, the show's going on. They don't realize that to get up to that point from start to end has been months because it's like, it takes months of booking years actually sometimes. Cause usually if you're at a certain level, you're booking things a year in advance. If you can, you know, you're trying right. to set things up and obviously things fluid, but uh, for the big tours and stuff like that, you're, you're setting up and you know, if not at least six months ahead of time, you're doing it a year ahead of time. Um, so yeah, it's not as glamorous as people think. Um, but it is a lot of fun, a lot of camaraderie. I've, uh, I've been very lucky to work for a lot of good tour managers, which is how I think I've learned a lot. And I also think, again, the reason I did touring, because they'll look at it and they're like, well, you're a merch guy on tour. Like how can, as if being a merch, uh, doing, being a merchandise manager would mean I'm not a good manager. Um, but one doesn't have to do with the other. And again, uh, I did merch because one, the networking, I get to network with the venues and a lot of the venues we play, probably if I could put a package together along with my artists and another artist, you're going to be able to fill those venues. So you're networking with the venues, you're networking with the bands that are opening for the band that you're working for. And again, I work with new and independent artists. So getting those openers and finding them when they're just starting out is perfect for me. So, you know, I get so much out of that. And then again, being able to see firsthand the struggle and having to, you know, again, work almost pretty much straight through the day. You're getting out of the venue and you're leaving the venue at like two thirty, three in the morning sometimes, getting to the hotel, sleeping for maybe like four hours, getting up and then, you know, continuing on your way to the next city. So being able to do that firsthand has made me a better manager for bands because I'm sure certain decisions I would have made before I toured, I wouldn't make now. Because I know, so let's say we got a great offer. And even though it might be a great offer, the guys have been on the road for a month and a half and, and they're tired. And, and we, you know, it's like, do I stress them out more and then make them drive, you know, three more days just for one show, um, even though it would be good exposure? Or do we get them home and, and maybe set up a couple of other shows in the future to make up for the, the, that opportunity, but no, obviously if it's a great opportunity, we're not going to turn it down, but, um, but that, but I just mean in the sense of a lot of managers make decisions based on the big picture and then seeing the numbers, but then they also don't see the band side. And I'm lucky. I think that I've seen both. I, I understand that it's a business and that we have to do it, but also being on the artist side and touring, I've been able to use that to say, well, Josh, the manager, maybe that's not the best decision, even though financially it would be, or maybe long-term it's the best decision, but maybe right now it's not. And maybe there's other ways that we could go about it. So um, that's just one of the things I've picked up from being on the road and why I choose to, 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 to tour. You know, I, again, I just think it only helps me out more um, than maybe a manager that's just sitting behind a desk and, and hasn't been out there and doesn't get the struggle. 
How do you think touring is going to be affected with everything going on with COVID-19? And do you think people go back to concert venues like they did before? Or what do you think about all that? So obviously they're not, but uh, there there is going to be a time where everything's back to normal. I have no doubt. And I'm hoping it's going to be next year. Um, if you want to be realistic, I'm uh, to me, I think this the rest of this year is pretty much shot. Uh, I don't think we're going to have normal touring. And even if they open up venues and they have limited access for public things, it's still like, I think there's going to be another wave coming in, in the fall in August, just because to me, I think on one hand it was made a bigger deal. On the other hand, I think people aren't taking it seriously enough um, because it, even though it might just be a flu bug, it's a different flu bug that we haven't seen. Right. You know, it's able to change. It does prey on weakened bodies and other things like that. So, um, even though it might just be the common flu, just a variation of it. And, you know, there will be vaccines and stuff eventually to where, I mean, we can look in the past, SARS, all that other stuff and, and different things like that. And it's very similar and different. And, and the problem is nowadays, you don't know what to believe. You don't know what stats are true or not. So even if you're looking at a reputable site, that doesn't mean that the government page was correct. You know, right. you know, even, you know, we know that China is not giving us the correct numbers. You know, we know that's not a fact. They're kind of downplaying it. And then we also know that the America, you know, our numbers aren't, don't really show everything that's going on right now. So all this call to open up things so quick, I respect everyone's opinion. Uh, I'm I'm somewhere down the middle as far as politics go, um, even leaning more towards the Republican side as far as policy or as far as like business goes. But as far as socially I'm a Democrat, you know, I believe in treating people with respect. I don't care what color you are, you know, all that other stuff. On one hand, I don't want my future kids to have, I, I never had a bomb or shooting drills. We had the right. tornado drills where we would go under the thing or fire drills. We never, I don't even think once, even in high school, did I ever have an active fire shooting drill ever, even though there were shootings, even though there had been shootings before Like we never had to do that. Now it's become something where it's commonplace and it's scary. I don't want my kids to grow up in that. At the same time, who are you to tell me that I can own or can't own a gun? Right. I'm also not the type of person that thinks having a back background check is a problem because I've never committed to crime. So, you know, the people that are complaining about it, that goes back to ego. It's like, well, you can have your gun. How many guns do you need? Like, do you really need an AR-17 to protect yourself? I saw a like, picture. Like, you're a man, but you can't protect yourself with a pistol. Like, come on. You know, I. so on one hand, don't tell me I can't own a gun. On the other hand, uh, stop being ridiculous. But the whole point of that is, uh, you know, I think... Uh, what was I? I started getting politics, but I was trying to say that like I'm somewhere down the middle, but I, you know, I, what was the original thing that we were kind of going over? We were talking about COVID and uh, the touring industry. Oh, so are then... we going to get back to, yeah, I apologize. I'm like ruining your no. podcast because no, that's, uh, this is the podcast. Uh, I usually get, yeah. <laughs> I usually get high before and like, so it, it's, it, it helps to, to be all over right. the place anyway. So. But um, yeah. So as far as getting back to normal with COVID, um, Yes, we're going to get back to normal. No, things aren't going to be the same short term. But I think a good point I want to make, though, along those lines, is that it's sad that a lot of the bands I've worked with in the past or that um, I end up going my separate ways, I would preach, even though I said social media wasn't as big a deal as like Spotify and stuff earlier, that doesn't mean it's not important either because that's your branding. That's how you're connecting with the fans. That's your chance to show them and connect them and direct them to your website and the other things in your merch that are going to build up and bring in money instead of specifically using that to promote your stuff. 
Um, and it's sad it's taken COVID-19 for them to actually consistently post stuff yeah. and come up with new ideas and really step up their social media game. Um, cause there's a lot of bands that would, it would be like pulling teeth to get them to actually clean up their social media and do a good job with it. Now that's, they're actually doing an okay job, but even still that's not enough. And I wonder once this is all over, are they going to go back to not posting? You know, yeah. are they going to, and with all this, who knows what's going to happen in the future. So I, I do think it's going to change in the sense of, I think like the online, um, you know, concerts and the different things and different. The weekly IG battles the box. Cool. Yeah. Well, once touring can actually happen again, there's nothing like live music. So it's right. not going to replace yeah. it. But I think, and I, I would hope that maybe this has taught and gotten some of these bands in the rhythm of having their social media on point and doing more at that so that when they are touring again, this continues, I'm hoping. But um, so yeah, nothing's ever going to replace live music. So I'm not saying that maybe we're going to go all virtual and tours, you're, you're going to pay $10. Just like movies, how you go pick up movies or go see a movie. Now you're renting on Netflix or renting on Comcast and doing different stuff that would be similar to where instead of going out and seeing a concert, you're at home renting the concert. Um, that's never going to replace live music, but maybe instead of having, you know, for a mid-level band that has to make money and instead of having to travel and pay for hotel and gas and do a weekend regional tour, they can now do a donation only. And if they're averaging even $5 a head for people watching the stream in multiple cities, they might actually make more money and be able to supplement that instead, you know, and again, just for that one weekend or maybe for that one thing or for a special event or if they're trying to raise money for something instead of just saying, oh, support us. Here's our GoFundMe. It's like, hey, we're having a free concert. If you want, donate. And we're putting that money towards our new album. Yeah, I've you know? seen artists do that. So there's so many different things. And uh, as far as are we going to know, I mean, I, I don't I really don't think <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know what to believe. That's a problem. I don't have solid, concrete evidence from our government. And I'm not talking about this isn't a politic thing. I'm not talking about Trump specifically. I'm not no, talking I, about red I or blue. I think they're all terrible. I think I'm just all handled talking, it poorly. We don't know what's going on. Right. And and again, I think there it's going to come. I think there's going to be another wave in the fall when the sickness starts starts again. We get right. into December and January where it's going to come back again until we have the uh, vaccine. So. I'm hoping it opens up because I paid for a lot of concerts and I had a lot of things planned, you know, in summer and towards the end of summer. So I'm hoping, you know, selfishly, I'm hoping they go on, but I, I could see the rest of the year pretty much just being non, uh, non touring. Even if things open back up, there's definitely going to be restrictions on things. So, you know, how can you really control it? And then you can already see there's, unrest with a lot of these, I apologize for calling them that, but a lot of idiots in this country that are protesting and saying, and if we had one rule on the national level, if the government, instead of to get blame away from themselves, they just say, okay, it's up to the state. Right. And, and now it's like, the oh, state they're... is going to be, the, and that's actually causing more turmoil because instead of just having one, you might not agree with it, but instead of having one saying, okay, this is what we need to do. And I get that there's some country, like if you're living in the middle of bum, I don't know. You said I'm in Washington and we had, we had protests yesterday out in Washington and all the signs are blaming the governor. And it's like, it's, 
it's a national thing. It's like a global thing. It's not like it's just <laughs> specific to our state. It just goes to show that humans are more worried about themselves instead of the betterment. And and that's not trying to be a socialist or anything like that. It's just be like, that still affects you. I don't think people realize you going out and affecting right. other people and making the virus go back up is going to cause you to still not be able to work and is going right. to make this thing go on longer. And yes, on one hand, I don't want someone telling me where I can and can't go, but do I have that little respect? for life and humans and just being a good person, right. you know, that's what it comes down to. And, 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 and I get it. We're all in the same thing. So I don't understand why a lot of these people think they're any better than anyone else to where it's like, well, majority of them want I, other people to open up. They don't want to go back to work. They want other people to go back to work so they can go enjoy, like get a haircut or get shit like that. Yeah. And, I mean, I talked to, so my wife is, uh, in, is in that's the a good point. Yeah, my wife it goes is, even deeper. I I was talking about how they're being, you know, very selfish, but that even takes that selishness to they still don't want to work. It's not that they want to go back to work; it's that they want to they have want the to be able to enjoy the, the amenities of society. Yeah, and really, no one's like forcing you to be in your house. I mean, like you can go for a walk if you want to. I don't think anyone's telling you you can't go for no, a yeah, walk. No, yeah, we go for a walk. Like we and we, uh, I talked to my wife about it the other day because she's in um, she works in a hospital. And so I was like, you know, do you think that because we took such strict restrictions and we did it so early on that that had an effect on the reason that your hospital wasn't hit as bad? Like, I don't think they had any any of that. Like they had a couple people come and then go get sent home, but they didn't have anybody admitted with it. They didn't have any, you know, any issues with COVID. And I said, do you think it's because they put such strict restrictions on it? And she said, I think that that's probably helped. I said, do you think it would have been like a lot higher if, if they hadn't done that? And she said, yeah, I think it would have been a lot higher. I think there's just so many factors that go into the numbers. Like you can't really trust numbers no matter who's giving them out. But the big thing for me that, annoys me again i think along these lines is that people make it into a political thing and i almost kind of did right there too to a degree but that's not my point my point is that you know like it shouldn't be a political thing it should be a human race thing it's so no matter what side you're on the big picture and what your thought pressure should be is not because I'm a Republican and I want things to open up and I, I, you know, whatever, or I'm Democrat and I'm trying to look out and I want Medicare. It should be what's best for our society and to make sure that even though, so let's say you knew for a fact that you want, you couldn't get it because you're immune. Cause there's some people that are immune to it. I think that's something that they've been talking about that. Yeah. You, there's just some people that can't get it. So what makes you more special than someone else who can? Like you're just thinking about yourself and well, I can't get it. So I should be able to go out and do what I want to do. And then if people can't, but, but you going out, even though you can't get it, doesn't mean you can't spread it to other people. You might not get it and get sick, but that doesn't mean you can't have it on your hand, which now you're spreading it to other people. And now you're affecting other people's lives. That's what I'm, that's what I get. And then they make it into a political thing where it's like, well, if, if you don't believe that we should be, oh, you're a socialist or you're just a lib, you're a libtard. It's like, and it's funny because I was raised, again, I'm right down the middle. So, and I actually, because I'm a businessman and because I have certain things that I want to achieve, I actually lean more towards Republican. But again, socially and just as a human, I'm a Democrat. You know, I don't, I don't, I just believe in, in, in treating everyone fair. And again, I don't think that, you know, I think we're, we're always on the extremes with everything in our society and especially online because that's what social media is, is extremes, you know, and it's never kind of where I think the majority of people in America are somewhere down the middle, you yeah. know, but 
all we're always preaching about is the extremes because that's what we see. But, um, you know, for me, again, I, I don't think respecting other people and not wanting to make the situation work makes me a Democrat. You know, I think it just makes me a human, you know, and I think we, that's that's the main thing from all this is that I hope that people would respect your governor's laws and what's going on because you respect other humans and, and you want other people to be safe. Well, it's not even like, like our state has a plan and they have it like on the website, you can go up and read the plan. It's not like they're like, yeah, this is just going on indefinitely. They're like, no, this is the plan. This is how it's going to take effect. And it's like, things are starting to gradually open. And the, the weekend that they started to open stuff up, there was a protest and it's like, well, what, what are you doing? Um, but I was going to well, say think it's stupid to protest opening things to a degree. Well, no, they uh, were protesting. I, they were protesting, keeping things closed still. But it was like the weekend that yeah, things I are opening. Yeah. Like, why are you protesting if they're starting to slowly open that you like want everything open at once? Well, like, that's what I'm saying. I don't think I think it's stupid to protest if, if they're slowly opening things now right. just because I don't agree with them opening things. Right. It doesn't mean that I but I think it's I think it's stupid to protest opening. But like keeping things closed it's like i can't say that because um as a business owner and just knowing a lot of the local um restaurants and stores and working in the service industry you know in, in college and stuff like that bartending um i want them to open you know i want them to but i also want right. them to be safe so yeah you know, that's I would what i did say, for a long time too i i just don't think that uh I just think it's stupid that people are protesting things being closed, right? Is that what you're saying? Like, still, like, all these right. people making a fuss that we need to open these things up. Uh, I agree and I disagree. I don't, it's just, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. We're humans and, and, and people and society are complicated because I don't, I don't ever think it's black and white. I think the problem is that we argue one argument and then someone will argue something else that's not directly back at that one so both of you are correct right. you know in like a different situation you would be correct but in this situation i'm correct you know so yeah. you but that's not what's going on here and then we kind of lump it all and make it general to where then it's becoming you're either on this side or that side where it's like you're not wrong and i'm not wrong but it's just a matter of you know we don't really have the ability as humans to Except the fact that there can be more than one right answer to the right. same problem, you know. And people don't like to change their minds on stuff. I'm, I'm like you. I'm like more right down the middle, and, um, you know, I, in most of social issues, I, I lean more left, and then on certain issues, I lean more to the right. It's just it depends on the issue. I'm more policy over the person, and I feel like it's more evident right now with uh, the whole Joe Biden thing. It's like people were screaming through the rooftops about how Trump was a pussy grabber. And then somebody comes forward and uh, accuses Joe Biden of sexual assault. And they're like, well, that's only true if it's Trump. I don't think you so can compare like, the two, but yeah, sure. <laughs> what do you mean? I I mean, I, I, I've never, I just think grabbed. They're talking about him putting, quote unquote, putting his hand too low on someone's back. I mean, well, no, they're talking about him, him like, like sticking his fingers in a woman. That's the new, the newest thing is that, <sighs> that they're talking about that she came forward and that there's she, her mom called into Larry King like years ago in the nineties. And I'm not saying it's true or not. I'm just saying the whole aesthetic of the way that it looks, it looks bad being that for 
people screaming well, let about. let me get this straight. First of all, I don't like Joe Biden. I think right, it's, I don't another, like either. it's another fucking same old Democrat bullshit. Right, the same thing that the Republicans have been doing. Um, you know, I, I never thought Bernie was the answer, but I thought it was the step to get away from that. Right. You know, because he's too social for me. Right. Now, I do believe people need to have access to certain Medicaid. Like, that doesn't mean there's... I don't want people free Medicaid for everyone, but I think you should have access to affordable. And then people like me that want to spend more money and get better, you know, I should be able to have that option too. I think community college should be free because I think that benefits everyone, right. you know, but I, but that doesn't mean all college should be free. No, like, you know, that's not how, because I paid so much money to go to college and now you're just suddenly going to give everyone free college. No, that's not, that's not, that doesn't fly with me. So Again, I'm down the middle. I'm actually more towards the Republican side. But here's the thing. Again, when you know you're saying, well, you're, you're kind of lumping them all together, and, and how do we know that's true? We, you know, we don't even know it's true. You just said it yourself. We don't. No, know. I'm not saying like, it's it true. I'm just saying and, that there's credible, like it's a credible sexual assault like allegation, as opposed yeah, again, to. But we don't know it's true. But we actually have Trump on tape saying he grabs women's pussy and it's okay and all this other stuff. So it's like, right, I'm just saying the, see aesthetics. the actual the aesthetics of how it looks like I don't like either of them. I lean more left, but I just think it's it's funny how when when it's one guy, it's like, oh, yeah, he's a terrible, terrible guy. But then the other guy is accused of the same thing, even worse, accused of it as well. And it's like, well, no, he's, he wears a blue tie. So because you're looking at the person. And right. you're looking at their track record and Biden's not out there. So behind the scenes, he probably, he, he might but no, be there's, just as bad there's as more, Trump. There's more allegations than just that one. There's multiple Let's get past women. allegations because that's why, that's my point is you keep bringing up allegations. You right. Know, you but Trump was never, Trump was never a convicted of sexual assault. He was talking about it on, on a, 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 a hot mic. So it's like, it's, it's yeah. not like it's, it's pretty similar to the same thing. It's just. I don't see how it's not the same thing. Be incredibly accused of by a woman. I'm going to agree to disagree in the sense of I just think uh, again it goes back to you look at the type of people and it's like, well, just a year ago Biden was talking about believe all women no matter what, and now he's like, no, we don't do that anymore. Only if only if she's been fully vetted. Like that's that's this that's what I'm talking about. The aesthetics of like the Me Too movement just going out the window. As soon Again, as, I think you're taking different situations and you're taking different things and kind of lumping it all together. But I don't see again, how I don't see how it is though, because one's one guy is being credibly accused of a woman for being digitally penetrated, and the other guy was talking on a. I'm not a Trump fan at all. I hate Trump. I'm just saying that it's the same thing. If not, one might be worse than the other because they're trying to lie to you about it. Okay. Well, again, I started to try to say before um, was that uh, I'm not a Joe Biden fan. Uh, right. So you know, me saying you're kind of making it seem like I'm making excuses for Joe Biden. No, I'm not. I'm just get, trying to see how it's different. That's what I'm. That's what I'm just trying. Well, to I'm see. trying to get to that. I'm, I'm trying to say that uh, Trump's out there saying, like, you know, from his comments saying, you know, you just grab him and put. It shows he's the type of person that you know doesn't care. Like, he's okay with to him. Doing that is not sexual assault. It's fine. Like, right, but so we know who Trump is. That's who Trump, Trump's a bad guy. We right, know that's that. my point. That's why I'm but saying. But they're trying to like, sell us know. Biden as if he's a good guy. That's my problem. Is it right yeah, trying to sell us? But that's that he, why people, you're, you're, okay, you asked me, if you let me finish, you asked no, me why it. is it different. It's different because we know Trump's like that. So right. 
It doesn't matter. Joe Biden hasn't been seen like that. So that's why it makes it different. But I, the problem is that you think I'm on the opposite side. I agree with everything you're saying. Right. No, I'm not, so I'm what not I, trying what to be confrontational. What I've been trying to get to, you know, is that uh, I don't think it's different. Right. I, I don't think people are giving Joe Biden a, a pass because, again, I, I, I think he's uh, I think he's totally full of shit. I think he's completely fake. And uh, I might it's to the point where I am very close to considering actually changing from a Demo Democrat to a Republican if Joe Biden wins or becomes our nominee. Yeah. Because I'm so far removed of what the DNC Trump is is our president right now. And the only person I blame is the Democratic Republic or the Democratic Party. I'm on the same for him page, being yeah. in, in president because they tried to shove Hillary down our, our throats again. And and that's the difference why I, I, I kind of say socially I'm a Democrat, because I think Democrats are able to stand up most of us and say, OK, even though she's a Democrat, I don't agree with what she's doing. And I think most of us did by saying we support Bernie over Hillary, even though that doesn't mean that we think Bernie's the best candidate. It's just that we don't want that same bullshit. Right. But even if it was clear that the the actual Democratic people that they serve were ready for a change, they shove Hillary Clinton down our throat. And, right. they, and then they make her the nominee. And then, you know, all this stuff comes out and she's no saint. We know Bill Clinton wasn't a saint, you know. So it's like all this stuff comes up and then, she, and then Trump's and, you know, president and then, you know, people, and then all the Democrats want to make it be a Republican thing. I'm like, you have no one to blame, but yourselves, right. you know, for all this stuff. And so I see that same thing with Biden and I just, I'm sick of it. So, you know, as far as, uh, you're saying, well, why does Trump get a pass and Joe Biden? I, I hopefully he doesn't, I, I, I hope he doesn't because no, I think I'm not Joe saying Biden Trump is just as pass. grimy. Just, yeah. They're both grimy. And this, like you were saying with the DNC, I agree 100% with that. I the, the thing about Bernie was like, I was a big Bernie fan. Um, and not again, not because of, you know, I necessarily was like, oh, this guy's going to save all of us and he's going to be our savior. But because I saw his power to organize people and get younger people in, in, together and stuff. And the worst part about this time around was that like, you know, there's people that were giving their the last of their, their money to Bernie Sanders thinking, you know, this guy's going to be the nominee and then they pulled up that, that whole switcheroo and they put joe biden in there and it was just like that yeah, was the see, worst that's the part thing. same that, with hillary last year i don't think the numbers well it's just like what, what do you actually think people, people wanted do? is what they gave us I, right. I think they fudge it to where because where are the numbers who i want to see the voting numbers where it showed joe biden won right because i still don't think there's any way in hell it just doesn't make sense that like, when how bernie was yeah. crushing it and then, and then Hillary, I know, was just a switch. Like, well, I think the it, the problem was that there was it was spread out, and so that the, the Bernie Sanders, right. from what I read, was that like they they had planned on, you know, campaigning against multiple people, and then when everybody dropped out, that they didn't really prepare prepare for that, and they never adjusted, and it just so to me, it was just, it's just kind of sad because like the people that gave the last of their money to Bernie Sanders, and it just you know, just for them to have them pull the rug out. And it's just what's weird sucks. to me about Bernie is how little support he has from the African-American community. Uh, like they literally roast him in fire. I'm like, listen, this guy is the biggest, by far the biggest supporter of civil rights and, you know, and supporting the black, 
the African-American community. It's so weird to me that I always see people hating like, <laughs> and he doesn't, and from the polls, he doesn't get a lot of black support. Like how yeah. is Joe Biden getting more black support than him? <laughs> I just don't understand how Bernie never like started. He never adjusted his, like I always kept waiting for him to be like, you know, say things that he needed to say and be like, I'm the guy, like I'm the guy who can beat, beat, beat Trump. I'm the guy who can beat Joe Biden, but he never did it. I'm like, just See, say it. Like, people I think just, his body of work speaks for itself. Like him marching, like all this, like yeah. he was an activist. He wasn't, he was a civil rights activist. Right. He's, he did all these things to change laws back in the 60s, you know, back right. in the, you know, when, when things weren't. So it's just weird to me that such a historical person in the sense of behind the scenes, he was a big part of why they have the freedoms they do. And it is kind of weird to me that he doesn't have that same support, you know? Well, part of the reason, too, is, like, he they don't cover him in the, like, you know, CNN and MSNBC, um, you know, the far left. Um, like, you know, I don't like any of that, the news from that, that those stations, just because I feel like they're 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 all establishment news. And so they don't cover anything Bernie Sanders does, anything he says until he does something that might be construed as wrong. Like I remember Bernie Sanders said fucking in the mid, the, like right when the pandemic began, he said fucking and they were like, oh my God, Bernie Sanders curses on national television. And it was like, you wouldn't cover that if he was saying anything else. Like if he had said any, like, you know, Medicare for all or something like that in the same sentence, you wouldn't have covered that. It wouldn't have been news. And so well, I, I also think, think the problem is that then we, go like we're sitting here talking about on the podcast right, and, right. but we know better and we know that's nitpicking oh, yeah. and being I don't politically know correct and, <laughs> and being all that but that that's our own fault too right because we can just say so i'm on the same page we uh, i think most people don't really consider news news like it was right it there's always an agenda i don't well, like you said CNN. earlier you're like i don't Actually, know who out of trust. all the networks CNN and, and those are starting to become more out there. And I've been watching Fox where they've actually gotten rid of some of those controversial people. Now they still have a couple of those idiots on there. But when I'm watching the news news on Fox, where it's just strictly doing news and it's not, it's not like the guy coming on and giving his opinion. It's actually just the Fox news. They're actually um, pretty fair. And they, I've, I've noticed they've been doing a lot more things where they've been condemning Republicans on Fox. Now, I don't know if that's just them trying to make the facade that they're more on the same page or whatever. And I'm not talking about the extremists that they have on Fox. I'm just talking about the street news right. um, aspect of it. I've actually noticed that they've kind of gone back to that, which is very surprising. And then even on CNN, when they're just doing the news, it always has some liberal slant on it. Um, and now that's not the truth for everything. Uh, I'm not just saying Fox is like the new go-to. All of them are bullshit. But um, I, I, I do my research by going online and looking at multiple sources. Yeah. And then I look at, I try to read See which one where the facts line up in both stories. And then, then you push all the other stuff aside. But my point of saying that is that I think we're kind of a prop, part of the problem because we're sitting there like, oh, CNN, you know, said this and that. And I'm like, well, we know that's bullshit. And it's just like that. So, like, let's not even give it a second thought. You know, right. let's focus on the things that we know are true and, and, and are there. But politics is a tricky thing because if politics were set up to actually serve the people, then I think. Are, are you know the disagreements or the things that people talk about within politics would align and, and be more straightforward but the fact that really politics is is a business it's uh it's it's not about us yeah. <laughs> it's about who supported you to get you to that yeah, point that donor money 
And until that changes, nothing's going to change. And to be honest, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah. So, and, and then I don't want to get conspiracy theory, but in a sense, it does keep us down. It does keep things the same because we're going to sit here and complain about the left and the right. But right. It's team sports. Until the, but what are we <laughs> doing to actually change the process? You know, right. like me and you can sit here and we can maybe in our own heads, we're like, oh, you know, we're making a kind of a difference because we're sitting here talking about it and we're trying to get it out and, and get our thing. But then it's like, what are we actually really doing to well, help think, change what honestly, we're Honestly, there's a lot of know? people that don't pay. Like, I know people that just don't pay attention. They just like, I have friends that I'll ask them about something and they'll be like, oh, I don't know anything. Like, that is true. And they do it because they're like, I just would rather not know than, you know, know all the horrible shit that's going on. And I'm like, well, you kind of have to know certain things as to like what's going on. You know, you can't just sit out of everything. Like, you know, right. especially when you're living in a society and, and, um, yeah, I wanted to switch it up before I forget real quick because I keep seeing yep. the Blink-182 shirt behind you. Oh, yeah. So do you think, so just recently, like, and it didn't even make like national news because of everything that's going on, but the, what was it, the Pentagon just confirmed UF, the, that the videos of the UFOs were theirs or something like that. So do you think that that vindicates Tom DeLonge's decision to leave Blink-182 to hunt UFOs? I don't think anyone has to uh, vindicate it because um, uh, even if it didn't turn out to be as credible as it was, I uh, I respect everyone's decision. But uh, that's another thing which is pretty cool, and, uh, and that is a cool thing that it's you kind of badass for I, him, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So my thing uh, when all that went down too, uh, I I kind of always sided with Tom anyway. Yeah, to be honest with you, I got Blink's point because it's like. Tom was going in more of an angels and airways direction. He wanted to get more creative and get more on that rock and, and kind of the adventurous spacey kind of music and not the pop punk stuff right. because, you know, you grow, you mature. Obviously the other guys are like, well, wait, we're blink 182. You know, this is, we we're, we're known for pop punk. Let's not stray from that. So, you know, for me, when he left, it wasn't now I did think, uh, damn, I keep going in trying to answer your question and i go off into my own thoughts about the subject but to answer your question yeah i think it vindicated him and i'm yeah. glad it did because uh now for a long time i'm the type of person again i'm not conspiracy i don't sit here with like tinfoil on my head at the same time i'm not naive to think there's a lot of things that are not public knowledge look how we reacted with coronavirus we can't even get toilet paper we can't get right. essential needs um for something that only affects point zero three percent of the pop you know or whatever imagine if the government said okay we've known about aliens roswell is true there are already aliens in society you know how many kooky crazy people are going to come out of the woodworks and then you know how i, I hate to bring politics or, or race or other things but you know the other day with the whole uh the the jogger that got uh shot and mm -hmm. then you know they just arrested the two guys imagine how many people now the crazy ones that would be like wait is this guy an alien i don't even know if he's and then sh just starts randomly shooting people because they think they're aliens or right. you know you don't know or that there's this big conspiracy and then you know people are going to start buying up arms and the grocery stores are going to go out again so you know, I'm not naive to think there's certain things that we can't handle as a human race uh at, at the same time do I think it's a distraction from what's going on with COVID to a degree? I, th I feel like I, nobody even talked about it. I feel like it was like just there one yeah. day and people were like, eh, 
that's so not on news. one hand, maybe they're putting it out there because there's all this stuff going on. So it's less of a an right. impact. Like Imagine if you think if about that, like if going 20 on, years ago, if they were like, yeah, the that Pentagon been the number confirmed. One, yeah, yeah that would have been the number one news thing if we didn't have COVID would be the fact that they actually... Uh, but anyway, yeah, it did. It did. Uh, it did vindicate Tom, and uh, he's one of the people I've been trying to come on uh, my show just because it fits so perfectly. Right. And I don't even want to talk about music with him. I want to yeah. talk about <laughs> just straight, straight to the stars stuff. Yeah, that would be dope. Tom did it the right way. So you know, back when he did it, he was reaching out, and it even confirmed it. Now, it's funny because you say recently because they just confirmed it recently but i feel like those videos have been out forever those though. videos have been out for a few years sure, like i think they just they just claimed like ownership is and they what it just was. claimed yeah, ownership i think that's yeah. what just happened but, but i'm an idiot <laughs> i don't know much but even like last year or something like that maybe two years ago i thought these were out but either way i know that yeah they just had claimed them i just saw another article on that actually the other day and um yeah it vindicates tom but uh he also did it the right way he right. didn't just put on the tinfoil hat and say aliens are real. He actually reached out to people and said, look, I've done my research. I understand the significance of security and other things, but I also, but here's why this is important. Here's why disclosure is important. How can I help get this to the point where it's not going to hurt our society because people understand and are educated. So, you know, that's, that's great. And, uh, yeah, it definitely vindicated him. And there's a lot of people that did hate on him. I remember, and, and again, I was always a Tom guy. Um, so, and it got to the point because I was over the kind of, I was younger too. So, you know, you're like, Oh, these guys sold out anyway. So who cares? But, uh, yeah, it definitely vindicated him and much props to him. And I think it, uh, it just goes to show, you know, I'm happy for him. Let's put it that way. I, I'm very happy for him. And I think, uh, you know, all the hard work that he's put in. And, and that's why I have a lot, of, a lot of respect because he's a big picture guy too, like me. We, we think very similar in the sense of short term. A lot of people thought he was crazy and he's crazy for leaving blank and he doesn't know what he's talking about and he's just conspiracy. And now a decade later, people see that he was, he was, he, he did it right and that it, it, everything he was saying was true. And so good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's kind of a good place to start wrapping it up. I got a yeah. pregnant wife that I got to go feed. Yeah, um, for go sure. ahead and plug anything that you want your website, podcast, cool. social. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, if anyone wants to check out my podcast, it's uh, I'm actually a lot newer than you, so I probably start. I started it this year. Um, I have about one season up, which is just all audio. Um, right now, there's about nine episodes in there. Um, there's probably going to be about fifteen. And then I'm going to end the season because that was kind of like my uh, trial run, trying to make sure I got all the uh, stuff down, got all the equipment ready and knew what I was doing, worked on the editing. Now that we have video, I'm going to start actually bringing in uh, Nash, like bigger musical guests and, and, and people that you might know, you know, household names into the show. And we're going to do video and stuff like that. Uh, and hoping things uh, kind of uh, open up again so that I can actually have people in studio because I have a pretty cool studio set up here. It's not quite finished, but uh, getting towards there. So if you want to check out the uh, podcast, social media, it's J2 underscore podcast, the Just Josh podcast. Um, you can find it on any streaming. Apple helps the most. So if you go check it out, go through Apple and uh, give it a like or a rating that would help out uh, a lot too as well. 
And then also, if you want any information, if there's any artists out there that are looking for management or just have questions, because even if we don't work together, I'm always um, happy to uh, help out or give advice any way I can. So our uh, management company is EUM Music Group. And on social media, you can find us on EUM underscore music. Our website is currently down just because of everything going on and with everything stalled. It's like our, our subscription was ending and I want to kind of uh, actually have our own custom one that ties into our business system. So if you uh, want to support, uh, you know, go check out our Instagram and stuff. We have some shirts and hats and different things um, that you can buy if you want. But uh, check those two out. And uh, thank you so much for having me on, Perry. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. uh, a lot of fun. I'm sorry I ramble there sometimes. No. And maybe went a little bit longer than you had expected. That's but, what the uh, podcast is for. I'm definitely going to have you back on my podcast yeah, as well. So be, look I honestly to that up. would love to do another like hour and a half right now if I had more time, yeah. but this was, uh, yeah. this was fun. No, for sure. All right, brother. Will you take care and we'll talk soon. You too. Thanks so much. See you later. Thanks for tuning in to the itty bitty podcast. Make sure if you like the show that you subscribe, rate, review, and share the show. Tell all your friends about it. Try to use the website ittybittypodcast.com. You can get this podcast as well as every episode of Choice Nugs Only. So that's our other little podcast that we do weekly. If you like hanging out and smoking, it's a great show to chill and just kind of recap the week. So check that one out. And we'll be back next week with another guest. I'm hoping it's the video game guest. I've been trying to do um, this interview for a little bit, but with everything that's been going on, you know, it's kind of hard to lock stuff down. So hoping that we're going to get that one done this week. If not, I'll have another guest for you. I'm going to be getting working on that, you know, in the next couple of days. So yeah, enjoy the podcast. And uh, thanks again for tuning in.